Hi, this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Adam Balderstone, and we're here to talk about Babylon 5. This time we're going to talk about episodes 15 and 16 of the first season. The first episode is Grail, and the second episode is Eyes. So I guess we'll start with Grail, which um, mm-hmm. is kind of an unusual episode. Uh, it's, it's yeah. I don't know, how would you describe the plot in this one? Uh, well, we have a, a guy show up looking for the Holy Grail, and uh, all the humans on the station, of course, are like, wow, this guy's a nut. And the Midbari, though, being the Midbari, are like, wow, this guy's a deep spiritual man. But we also have this whole gangster plot going on with a, uh, with a, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of weird, the more, as I explain this, the weirder it sounds. But, uh, yeah, we have the guy who's jinxed to, uh, thinks he caused all the other Babylon stations to uh, be destroyed. And, uh, was his name, were they calling him Jinxo? Was that his name? Jinxo. Yeah. But his name is Thomas. Yeah, Thomas. As he made clear at the end yeah. of the episode. Don't, don't call him Jinxo. That's disrespectful. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but yeah, yeah, Jinxo. And we've got, yeah, the guy and the, uh, the gangster is the guy from, uh, from Blade Runner and Newhart. That's what that, I That's what think I wanted to ask. Was that Daryl from Newhart? Was that That is Daryl from Newhart. Yeah. Yes. That's the see, crime boss. It's funny. I don't even I know he's in Blade Runner, but like I I, I so connect him to New like that I could not yeah, separate that, that out. And he was talking exactly the way he talks in that show almost, so uh yeah. it was uh Yeah. He was an interesting was, was choice la- for the for the crime lord. Uh that's uh, basically sucking out people's brain, I guess. Is that what is it? He had some kind of weird... Yeah, the, the Nocaline Feeder, I think it's called. And they, oh, what yeah. they're calling them? Brain Pipe Victims, right? That's what they're calling them, Brain Pipe yeah. Victims. Um, yeah, yeah, making it look like Kosh was doing it for an extra... Because having a, having a brain-feeding alien wasn't scary enough. You had to make it a look like it was a Vorlon brain-feeding alien to uh, add an extra layer of complication so, to his uh, ruse. <laughs> so I have to say, I, I enjoyed this episode. Um, yeah, me I, too. A lot I, of people I've, are down on it. Well, go, I'm sorry, go on. I no, so here's the thing. It's definitely, it's like the mo- like, I thought TKO was the most 90s episode. This is the most <laughs> 90s episode I've ever seen. You got a guy looking for a grail. You have... The, you ha- you have Daryl as the crime lord. Yeah, you, you have Jinxo or Thomas who really is a weird guy. Like there's just something weird about him. Like he's yeah, just not a normal he's person. Kind of com- no, he's kind of compelling to watch. They, they he was a good casting for that part, I think. But uh, but then you have I was that the guy who played what was it Zark in um in Tron, the the guy who played Jinxo. No, the guy who played uh, Aldous Geijic. Oh, right? I'm sorry. Yes, it is. I, I don't know why. what I'm thinking. I'm thinking of a different character in Tron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's totally him. If David they, Warner. Yeah, if they had anybody else in that role, I would have hated this episode. But yes. he made that character work. It was one of these things where I was like, oh my god, they're, they're not doing the King Arthur thing, are they? They're not, they're not bringing that to Babylon 5. And then he, he brought so much gravitas to that role. That I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I totally buy. Like, I know in like in any other actor's mouth, this would sound like garbage, but it worked because it was him. And, yes. And uh, and also it was a good opportunity to kind of see sort of the Bimbari attitude towards religion and how that was different from you know the human perspective. And and again, you know, with um, Sinclair being a Jesuit, not Jesuit, but at least educated by Jesuits, you get that. He seems to have that curiosity about that stuff where there's the, you know, he, he obviously doesn't think that he thinks the guy's nuts, but that he has some sort of grudging respect for him. Um, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and and I found him a compelling character. Normally, I would find that sort of character infuriating in a movie because, you know, it's it's it sort of seems somewhere where you could have like a writer inserting their own sort of spiritual views about the universe. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. you know, well, we need, you know, the you know, the you know. People just believe whatever they want to believe, and you know, like you know, that's a uh, you know, it, you know, it's all about the path, you know, that kind of thing. But but in this case, it just to me, it really worked, I, and I think it really boiled down to the actor, um, and 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 that's that's what for me made it made it really land well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, David Warner's a great actor, and like you said, the guy who played Jinxo just I, I wouldn't call him a great actor, but he he 
worked in that role really well. Yeah. I I mean, I'm not saying he's a bad actor. Just you know, there's just something odd about it. There's something I I was yeah I was like he looks like like when you were growing up and there was like like the like weird guy in the class like he had that kind of vibe going on. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah um, yeah so, he was an oddball for certain. But uh, yeah, this this episode was written by Christy Marks who uh, who wrote like a, a few. Well, she she uh, she she was uh, like a creator for a few uh, King Arthur related uh, computer games in like the late '80s, early '90s. So she she that she had the whole King Arthur thing that she brought to the episode. Yeah, I, I mean, think. I mean, this felt this felt like an episode ripped. Like, I I, ima- I can imagine a bookshelf in the '90s on one of my friends' rooms, and you could just extract elements from that bookshelf and make this episode that's <laughs> just what was in the air you know what i mean so i, I can yeah. sort of see why people might be down on the episode uh because there it's kind of got a lot and and it brings things that feel slightly out of genre into it um is mm-hmm. what, what are the usual reasons people give for not liking it out of curiosity uh i think i think people just immediately get repelled by the whole holy grail king arthur thing and think it's silly i mean it's kind of interesting because the, the episode kind of lampshades that because the guy shows up and he's like yeah i'm looking for the holy grail yeah and sinclair and garibaldi are both like oh boy yeah. you know so it's like the show the show almost like feeds you that that it's like yeah this is this is ridiculous and but yeah in my case it won me over it's not like it's a great episode but i i find that it it's it's an episode I generally enjoy all the way through, and and I could be wrong because I was a little groggy when I watched it, but I feel like the A plot and the B plot both kind of came together in this one. Um, yeah, and it, like like they 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 were both really basically the same story. Um, yeah, and so yeah, I thought, there I, barely was an A B plot in this one. Yeah, but I kind of like that. I kind of like that the that the, there mm-hmm. were these two tracks and they kind of came together and. Um, and so yeah, I I, I I think I think there was another aspect of the show like. I didn't know how I felt a lot about a lot of things when this was when I was first watching it. So when they first mentioned the Grail, I rolled my eyes too, because yeah, you know, I, I, I it just again '90s bookshelf. It just seemed a little bit too far afield for the the show. Also, the 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 Judge Wapner uh, opening. Mm, I I yeah. thought I literally thought that was going to be a TV show within the Babylon Five universe. Because <laughs> the judge seemed a little bit something about him didn't seem quite right. And then they had like a gray alien, you know, like a gray. And I was like, whoa, th- those guys are in Babylon Five now. Like like I know Star Wars sort of brings in like all the different, but like I I, I didn't I didn't expect that it would be in uh, in Babylon Five. And then yeah. and then they and they tacked it in in the most i guess the most direct way where the the guy the guy is bringing charges against the gray alien for abducting his great grandfather or great uncle or something and uh, yeah, uh, yeah you know it's basically like you know it's like an alien abduction type situation uh so i i didn't know how i felt about that i was yeah that, was like, that's that, something people slam on the episode yeah. a lot for is the uh, that court scene that yeah. gets a lot of grief i mean it's it, it it's bold it's 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 a very ballsy <laughs> move on their part, and I could I could I could sort of respect it for that, but also I don't know that I want Greys in Babylon Five. Um, yeah, I don't think they're they, needed. They, they don't are, add they, anything to the to the universe. They 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 do stick around as a consistent <laughs> thing in there, but you don't they don't do much. There is kind of okay. a background. You've actually seen one of their ships already. The uh, in the episode where all you know the Death Walker episode when all mm-hmm. the the alien ships started showing up of different races. There is a clear flying saucer type ship in there, and that's that's their ships. Okay. So. The other so. thing is Babylon Five security. Like they really need to be able. I mean, this is like a military ship, right? Or like a military <laughs> station. Shouldn't they just be able to go in there and like, you know, arrest Deuce? Like, I don't understand why he has to have like. Oh, we got to bring him to Wapner, and then there's not enough evidence. And oh well, we're gonna let him go, even though we know we know he's sucking out people's brains. It's uh, it's, yeah. I, I feel yeah. like I mean maybe maybe that's I mean I don't know enough about the society they live in, so maybe they do have very rigid sort of separations in place that 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 mean even on Babylon Five a certain amount of like there's 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 a procedure that has to be followed. But it, it yeah. But well, the thing me, is too, Sinclair Sinclair is very big on uh on being being very 
very fair, you know. Mm. Once again, you know, during that episode, you have Garibaldi like begging, going, "Come on, just let me go in there and clean the whole place out." And Sinclair's like, "No, you know, most of them are just people down on their luck." So, to whatever you think, it's a military station. Maybe they could. Maybe it was a different commander. Yeah. They they could I, just. I kind of think there. that Garibaldi was right in that situation. Like, I, I sort of <laughs> think like you have a guy sucking out people's brains. And and really like you get, get gaining a lot of power. It seems uh, mm-hmm. I would I would clamp down on that in, in in that environment where you're in a space station and you're you know. But you know I don't know maybe I maybe. I would just sick Nagrath on him. That's your solution. Yeah, you just you go, go to Nagrath and go, hey dude, this guy's getting in on your your criminal territory. Why don't you take him out? But for then us? he has to get his hands dirty. That's the problem. And then and then the psychor is going to come after him for dealing with Negrath. You know, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, but Negrath, see Negrath. Yeah, you're right. Negrath would never get into that situation. He's, he's too smart. It's like Negrath, Negrath knows about that guy. And he's just like laughing at his ridiculous Vorlon plans and everything. So, so, so this plot also had something that I liked <laughs> it. Um, it, it had a faint in here where, where at first you think Ambassador Kosh is the one that is uh, <laughs> that is sucking out people's brains. And the reason that he's been hiding his body is because he's one of these brain-sucking creatures, which yeah. doesn't jive with any of the hints that we've been given the whole series. So I very quickly figured out, well, it's clearly not him. But when I first saw him, I was pretty surprised. And then, uh-huh. and then I pretty quickly, like, oh, wait, the suit looks a little like it's not illuminating that green color. And th- there's something off about it. Like, clearly, this is like a, a, a red herring. But um, yeah, well, it never moves in any way. Even yeah. during that first scene, it's just like clunk. You know, yeah. it's just a a prop. <laughs> and the voice is different, too, if I recall. The voice was different. But but it was but it still had you wondering and questioning, well, what's going on with Ambassador Kosh? Maybe there's, you know, so. Yeah. Uh, so I thought yeah. that was kind of nice. Um, yeah, I like I like the actual Kosh too. his reaction to the situation where Sinclair's telling him about it, you know, and it's like, well, you know, it's like and he's like, you know, some guy was using a Vorlon suit to suck out brains and he's like why and he's like well a lot of people are a lot of people are scared of vorlons because you don't let them see much and cautious answer is just good making it clear gosh gosh wants to scare people so um so then uh i guess we should we should get onto the next episode which i think is sure. the better of the two uh, oh yeah I, uh, yeah which is eyes now i have some conflicted feelings about this episode but but i think it's a glorious babylon 5 episode i think it uh i really like the villain in this episode um i don't know well, mm-hmm. why don't you recap the plot for people just so we can uh if i if yeah you... this this is uh the the episode where everything sinclair has done to kind of you know try and skate by doing not doing things earth force wants him to kind of comes back to haunt him you know where the uh internal affairs guy shows up with uh with backing from bester who's provided him with a uh a telepath and they're uh they're out to railroad him on uh you know for for every misstep he's made well, if you want to call it a misstep, that's subjective. It was a very well. One well. So here's what I like. Number one, Bester doesn't actually show up in this episode, which I think is actually a good thing. I think it's I agree. cool that you get uh, what's his name, Colonel Ari Benzane, and um, and Mister Gray. I think was the psy mm-hmm. the, the psychor guy. I I, I like that because it makes me feel like oh, Bester. You know, like I I definitely realize how powerful Bester might be. That Bester's smart. He's not just going to wander into Babylon Five for revenge directly. Um, yeah and it's a pretty clever yeah. scheme um and i and i and, and i thought colonel ari benzane was a very number one that voice that voice <laughs> was was the most uh it it, it, it was ju- it was just perfection it, it, i i i couldn't get over how deep that voice was and how how compelling it was uh, i don't yeah especially on tv like you you might see that like you might see that in the movies but you very rarely see a voice like that on TV. So I think I think uh, with the exception of like Sherlock, you know, we haven't been graced with a voice on television <laughs> like that. So so, and I don't think this guy is. Um, I haven't seen him in too many things. Maybe I'm just not paying enough attention. 
Um, I don't know anything about this guy, actually. I meant I did mean to kind of give him a look because he he is he's interesting. I like his I like his dueling scar he's got too. That's yeah. like the final uh, but final I feel capper like on his. He character. should have risen to the top of like the the sort of cheesy villain guy club. Do you know what I mean? Like, like we should have gotten yeah. way more of this guy in the nineties, and for some whatever reason, you know, we didn't. But oh, but I thought he was amazing as that character. He's um, he's Gregory Paul Martin, the eldest son of Beatles producer George Martin. Oh, so okay. That's well, maybe that explains the. I don't know. You know, he, and he he's around music. He's so. an actor alongside uh, Alan Rickman as they they studied together. So. Oh, that's interesting. See, see, I, you can you can definitely yeah. now. Uh, I, I he's, was, he's done plays with Ian McKellen, so yeah, it looks like theater. He's had a pretty amazing yeah, theater career. That so. guy would have been perfect as a villain in so many movies. Like that, that was because that voice. You, I mean, that he's got a stunning voice. Like it's a legitimately unusual voice. Um, yeah and it's it's and yeah. i don't normally linger on this kind of point with you know actors who just kind of come in for one episode but i was that whole episode i couldn't stop thinking about that guy's voice and uh <laughs> now i was a little bit sort of i don't know i was like well did they have to make him israeli like they kind of, <laughs> i know, they know they sort of make him israeli but then they have him be like a nazi i don't know how i feel about that and i, I don't know it, it feels like commentary on so it's just i don't know but but that aside it was a very good character and it was a very good episode. So it's mm-hmm. not, you know, it didn't, it didn't, it, that doubt didn't really play into my assessment of the episode, but it was there. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it felt weird just because it felt like it. Uh, yeah. Like I said, I mean, it felt like commentary, but it was, it's like, I don't know. You'd feel like geopolitics would be so different in that far yeah. in the future to an extent that it, I don't know. Yeah. It, that, that, that was my part. I was like, yeah, but yeah, other than that, it is it is a well done episode. I uh, you know it. it I, I and uh, we, oh man, I'm completely blanking on uh, Jeffrey okay. Combs. Jeffrey Combs is his name. That's it. Yeah, I like Jeffrey Combs in this episode. He uh, he does a good job with with Harriman that, and Gray. That was an interesting character um, because mm-hmm. I didn't know what to make of him at first, and I like number one. He's kind of creepy. I was thinking to myself they should yeah. call them creep core because between him and Bester, they're definitely. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely a creep thing going on with these guys, and because uh, they all kind of dress in black and look pale and have black hair, and like, like there's just there's just something very vampire like about the people I've seen from from the core so far, except for like the the normal people. Talia, yeah, yeah, but I mean yeah. the people that are from like the deep deep you know core of the group. Uh, <laughs> They, they seem to be, I don't know, something's just not right about them. And uh, I, I like I like that he was, I don't know, I got the impression that he was maybe um, trying to flirt with Ivanova and doing a horrible job. Um, yeah, oh, I totally yeah. got that impression. I don't think there's any 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 other way to read that. But, 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 uh... <laughs> but it was interesting because I like that he was sympathetic to the Babylon and I like that he became yeah. an important character because he was the he's the one that Sinclair basically uses in order to to undermine um uh the the colonel and so uh, you yeah. know it, it just it, and and I, and I like the whole backstory where the colonel is basically this is all like personal revenge because he like and and they mentioned they mentioned this list what like an episode or two ago where yeah. where basically we find out that Sinclair is the bottom of the list for for controlling Babylon Five and there were much bigger names at the top and he's one of those bigger names and so yes I I love that that's coming in here it's it's a very you know it, it, I, I and I think you had mentioned to me that like that uh that there was this whole thing where he where, where the head writer really wanted people to to leave something in at the in each episode that could be tied to another episode and mm-hmm. and I feel like I, it really pays off because it's 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 nice when you're like oh I know that list I know that you know it it, yes. it, it makes you interested it, it makes it more meaningful when it when it comes up so yeah and, it, and when it comes up to you are you know you know that Bester's behind this by that point and it makes Bester's plan all this smarter. It's like Bester's going to get this guy who's disgruntled about not getting the job and pit him against Sinclair. And it's like, oh, that's clever. Yeah. Very good, very good, Bester. So yeah, you get you get 
Yeah, you know, like you say, Bester never shows up in this episode, but he's like he's like a much cooler character than he was even before this. So, so it's uh, also before. Well, well, I do want to say that I I also think this really the they're called the Psycor, right? I have the name right. The yeah, you do. They, they are a really ominous group. I, I I like how they're using them in this series so far. I feel yeah. nervous whenever they come around. And and I think that's how I'm supposed to feel. It's it just so so they're I think they're doing a very good job of of, 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 of making them this this thing that 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 the even Sinclair you know you, you really feel the pressure when this guy is is is, is doing his investigation. And and so yeah. I think they're very effective. Um but I also wanted to mention the, the the product placement at the start of this episode was very clever. I don't know if it was actual product placement or not because it was kind of at a time where I don't think product placement was quite at the you know it wasn't at the level that we're accustomed to now. So it might have just been a joke. But yeah. But it felt like product placement to me. Where I think there was like a Kawasaki Ninja. Was that the? Uh, that uh, that was. I looked that up because I was like wondering. I'm like, is that product placement? Uh-huh. And it's apparently it's apparently a thing. Garibaldi is really big into motors. The guy who plays Garibaldi mm-hmm. is really big into motorcycles. So that was actually a case of an actor's interest kind of leaking into the show. Okay. But uh, so it was not actually paid. Uh, they got no money from really uh, from okay. Kawasaki See, for that. So. That's surprising because he was because he was basically going off like he was reading from a brochure. So I was like, oh well, yeah, because so and the thing that was clever about it, the reason why I thought it would have if it was product placement, it would have been clever is because obviously this is a science fiction show, and so how are you going to get like product placement in a science fiction show? Except for, like, <laughs> I guess the Zimas and stuff, but like. But the way they did it is it was an antique. He was reconstructing an antique motorcycle that's from our, well, not ours, but from 1992 or whenever this episode aired. It was the current model of the of the Ninja. And he's just going going on about how great it is and how much mileage it gets. And all, like, he's like going down the line of the things that the salesman will tell you when you walk through the door. So, I, I, yeah. so even if it was product placement, it was the kind that you almost have to respect because it, it kind of takes a little bit of effort to... To, I mean, to get a Kawasaki Ninja onto a space, onto a space station. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there has been one one actual product placement in the show so far. And that was in the very first episode and also in, involved Garibaldi. But uh, yeah, if you remember at the end, the end of the first episode ends with uh, Garibaldi sharing his second favorite thing in the world with uh with the land where they're watching looney tunes cartoons this is a warner brothers show and warner brothers insisted that a character on the show must be a looney tunes fan that was a a corporate mandate yeah you know what that's interesting because that was one of the things in the show that bothered me the most i think i remember commenting on that so that's that's very interesting that that was like a required thing because I think the show would have been better if they hadn't made that requirement, to be honest. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, basically, because it doesn't even feel in line with Garibaldi. I don't see him as a Looney Tunes fan. Like, I don't think it'll ever come up again. I think that's like the only time. I think I think like if you see his his room or something, he's got like some kind of Looney Tunes art up in his room. But yeah, I I don't think he will ever say okay. another thing that reflects that. He, yeah. This like he he's filled his obligation in the first episode. So he's like, fine, we're going to make him a Looney Tunes yeah. fan. It's been done. He's a Looney Tunes fan now. Yeah. We're never going to talk about it. Yeah, because I I think the trouble I was having with it was I was not believing that he would sit down every night and watch Looney Tunes. And, no, it doesn't make any sense. I don't believe anybody. I don't believe any adult who tells me that they. You know, I, I don't. I just. It doesn't seem like something people would watch after age thirty. And so, you know. It, yeah. Um, not unless they're really high. That's yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> some some exceptions, but but generally, it just doesn't seem like something people would really watch. And uh, but I believe that he likes motorcycles. I believe that he likes motorcycles. Yeah. So that that yeah. worked. And and what's the other the Mimbari's name? Uh, Lanier is that the guy that was um... Lanier? Yeah. yeah. I, I like number one. I like his character because he's a historian, and I always like historian <laughs> characters. And so I, I have a real soft spot for Lanier right now. Where oh yeah, and, and I love his whole approach where he's taking like you know he's 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 interested in the history of human culture, and so he's learning about motorcycles, and he's 
and he and he and 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 he's and he and he's watching that 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 documentary where we're talking about how what motorcycles represented in the in the twentieth century and other sort of symbols of masculinity and rebellion and all these things. Yeah, and I like that he's sort of oh. he's sort of puzzled how all these things are coming together in this one object. You know, because uh, so you know because because those are those are sort of unusual things to sort of bundle together. So I yeah uh, so yeah. Now I agree, and I, that's what makes that re- redeems the set, that subplot for me. For a little bit, it's like there was, you know, it was kind of a thing on Star Trek, where every now and then you'd give like one character one really twentieth century specific obsession that would uh-huh. just feel a little bit out of place at times. Mm-hmm. But with this one, you know, at first I'm like, oh man, they're doing that. But you know, but then once again, it, it is believable Garibaldi would be into it, so that helps it a little bit. And second, like I said, it's it's. You, you haven't seen much of Lanier at all this series so far the series and I feel like it is a really good Lanier plot you know it's his his interest feels really believable and uh you know I mean because you know it's another cliche an alien trying to understand humans but this is just done in a way that doesn't feel ham-fisted he's just he's just genuinely interested in this other culture is kind well, of digging into it and we also see some of the process we see him watching the documentary we see you know he just it just felt like a like an earnest student trying to learn about something it didn't it didn't yeah. you know and and also he showed some capability he wasn't like baffled by what he was learning he was he rebuilt a motorcycle do you know what i mean so like yeah he was, he was, <laughs> he was capable yeah yeah there's competence there uh so 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 yeah i thought it was i thought it was uh i like that part of it i like that he's kind of going the sort of claudius route with his character um <laughs> and uh you know so yeah we'll, we'll see what, what what that brings in the future um Apparently, also the internet is slow in the future because um, Garibaldi had to download a file or something, and it's like one point four hours to uh, to to transfer the file that he wanted. To, did you Did you notice that? I, I I don't remember what was the file he was downloading. I yeah. forget. It was when he was in his thing in his like security room, and he was he was trying he was doing some research, and he had to he had to uh, I think he had to send his reports to uh, um, to the colonel. So, okay. Oh, he was sending it to the colonel. Yeah. yeah, that is really slow. I was gonna, I was gonna justify, go. Maybe he was downloading it from Earth. You know, yeah. it could be, you know, but, uh, but I, yeah, I could be wrong. I, I didn't sense. take, I didn't take good notes on that scene, but I, 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 yeah, I, I recall him doing something like that. And, uh, yeah, and I, but I have to, and I have to, I, I came up with a defense for one term in this. You know, you talk about the interweb, you know, which sounds like a really clumsy version of the web and internet. But I thought about it. It's like, you know, you have the world wide web. The world, you know, the web is just a worldwide thing. Yeah. So therefore, the interweb would be the network that runs between okay. different planets. So I, I, I also, figured out a defense of that term. I've, maybe it's because of Babylon 5, but I feel like I've seen a lot of people use the term interweb. So I, it I see, I've only heard people use it as a joke, though. It's like, I'm going to go on the interweb. Okay, so maybe, maybe because I didn't watch the show, I never realized that they were joking, and I just thought that they were just, they were just calling <laughs> it the interweb. So... Well, I don't know. I don't know if they were joking on the show or not. Like I said, I know I know people often use it. Well, you used to. I don't know. It's, I mean, this this is probably like you know year two thousand uh, humor of you know yeah I'm using the interwebs. Okay. But uh, you know it's kind of a, a memeish kind of thing. But yeah, I I don't know. I mean, we're 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 in we're in nineteen ninety four with the show at this point, so it's real. Oh, is this really nineteen ninety four already? Yeah, yeah. Oh wow. Okay. When was Okay, why did I think it was earlier? I don't know why I keep. Well, the pilot that. was a year earlier. That was nineteen ninety three. Okay, but ninety four. Okay, no, that's just. Um, so we're well into the nineties, in fact, by this point. Um, yeah, yeah, but it's. Uh, yeah, I just this show, does you know? I, I think I think it's a factor partially of lower budget, and because it was in development for so long before it could get going, it does it does feel like an earlier show. That it actually is for both of those reasons, I think. Okay. Yeah, um, I mean. But yeah, but I I enjoyed it. I thought it was a a, a really good episode. I, I I liked the whole thing with Ivanova. Um, you know, I I thought we got, you know, I mean, we've already kind of learned all this stuff about her, but they they went a little bit deeper. And, yeah. And I think for her character to be that resistant, it does make a certain amount of sense. Um. 
So Yeah, it does. We got the whole dream sequence thing there too, which was uh interesting. And, and uh But but I also like that like you were kind of saying, Sinclair makes a point of knowing things and he, he you know, I like that they sh- it wasn't they sort of showed you the steps he had to take to figure out how to outwit this guy. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So I, I, li- yeah. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm really liking Sinclair, this this watch. I, you know, like I said, I haven't watched this show in 15 years. When I was younger, I, I wasn't as into Sinclair. But this, I, you know, his character really makes a lot of sense to me now, this time. I'm, uh, I'm just, yeah, I just buy that character very, very you know, he's, he's good. Yeah, he, he's grown on me a lot. When I first saw him, I think I said, you know, I was calling him the poor man Scott Bakula. And, yeah. and I still kind of feel like there's something odd about him, but like mm-hmm. as, as soon as they kind of did the Jesuit thing, that's when he kind of clicked for me as a character. <laughs> and, and I kind of, like he just makes sense now. And, and I think he's a nice blend of sort of, I don't know what you would call it. Like, like military grit and compassion kind of sort of blended together. He's, yeah. he, you know, there's a, there's a, he's an interesting character. Um, and I, and he's he's intellectually curious. He's uh, uh, he, he and and I and I like and I just like that he seems to be very good at going through the manual and finding solutions to problems. That's a that's 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 a very nice character trait. Um, that yeah. you know, it's it's working for the show. So yeah, it's like the same same thing. Like I said, I I like going back to the strike episode. You know, which gets referenced in this. You know, it's like in that. You know, they, they show him in his room and it's like, you know, I, I did the freeze frame thing and on his computer. He's going through and putting together the budget that he's going to use to, you know, to, 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 to pull off his ending at the end, you know, which, uh, which, which was great. It's like, yeah, I mean, he just that, that it's, you know, basically solving a science fiction show plot just by methodically building a budget. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's like a Sinclair solution. Well, the, the, the attention to details is nice. And the, and the fact that, the, that all those things came back in this episode was good. Um, yeah. You know, like you said, like everything that he's done before to sort of solve these problems is now up for review by, by the Colonel. And so, yeah, it, was, it, it worked. And, and and we and I just think that I think this is probably the best villain we've had so far in the series. This was I was really struck by that. That to me that was the I think that those are the two things that really work this episode and the last episode. The casting choice in for the for the villain in this one, the casting choice for the seeker in the last one mm-hmm. really pushed the episodes way past what they might have otherwise been, I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, they cuz you know, because the thing is, eyes, eyes, I think, works better than it should, because it's like, you know, the yeah, I, we've talked about this before. The episode of someone being accused of something is a kind of trite, you know, yeah. thing that I, I immediately am like, you know, you know, against it for the most part. But this this episode worked one because, the, you know, the villain was genuinely interesting. And you also had Gray in there as this ambiguous figure through the whole time, where for the whole first half of the episode you're like what's this guy's deal you know but he he, you know he is he is a creepy weird guy but he is a generally well-meaning you know moral person which is uh is a nice way to go with it well the other thing too is is it works because um you know the normally when they do the thing where the guy has been accused of a crime and he has to or accused of some sort of misdeed and he has to hand in his badge or whatever or he's under mm. review it's not normally planted the way this it was for this one these were things that we all saw him do do you know what I mean? yes these were not these were not things that suddenly were trumped up to to create a juicy episode where sinclair is on the run from the authorities this was something where yeah. you could see it coming a mile you, you i mean in, in a normal show it might not come up again but when it happened, you know, you were kind of like, well, there should be consequences for what he just did. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So uh, and, and, and I like that they raised the whole you just took this chunk out of the military budget to stop a strike. And and Sinclair had an explanation for it, which I because I remember I raised that criticism of the episode when it when it first aired, not when it first aired, but when we first saw it for the podcast 
that, you know, he just took all this money out of the military budget for a military station. What's he thinking? And, yeah. and he was basically saying, well, we didn't even have any use for that money. So, yeah, which makes sense because politicians always like to throw extra money into me. You could just see like in the appropriations bill back at the Senate, they're like, oh, we're going to add another another 50 million to the uh, yeah. military budget, you know, to show how strong we are. And then it gets there and they're like, well, what are we going to do with this money? And, and I think but, the point uh, he was making was that the money had been siloed incorrectly, probably, because it sounds like the station yeah. is suffering from the money that should have been going to infrastructure and repair you know, maybe going to the military when they didn't necessarily need that, that big military budget. So, uh, you know, so again, I'm sure, I'm sure some of the senators on earth in the setting might have, might, might have different points of view. So, so, you know, because we are only getting Sinclair's perspective and who knows, maybe five episodes from now, you know, an extra, an extra, an extra ship to protect the station would be useful. So, uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's funny. Uh, yeah, Straczynski talking about when, like, a day before this episode aired, there were these people on the internet complaining about, you know, nothing Sinclair, you know, this show has no continuity. <laughs> nothing Sinclair ever does, ever has consequences. He just gets away with all this stuff he should, and it's like, oh, you know, like the episode's going to be airing the next day. Do you but, think uh, this show benefited from Straczynski being, having an online presence like that? I think it did benefit because for one thing, the internet was more polite back in the day. You know, I mean, it hadn't become, you know, as, as difficult for a creator to deal with. He could go on and talk to people and there, you know, you get, he, he actually would answer a lot of questions. So there's a lot of, there's a, there's kind of a whole apocryphal kind of, you know, lore around the show, which are things that he answered questions about, you know, okay. like, you know, like with Psychor, it's like, I don't think they ever mentioned this on the show, but, you know, the origin of Psychor, Psychor was originally created as, you know, basically a way to keep psychic people away. It's like, basically, you know, everyone was afraid of psychics, and so you get taken off to Psychor and kept away from the general public, and and then people started finding uses for psychics, and so it's become, it's become this scary, powerful thing, but originally it was created as this, you know, it, it basically, you know, they, they decided to segregate all these people and now they've become something, you know, the fact that they are separate has kind of become a scary thing. Okay. But, uh, no, that's you know, this, this is an that's, example. You no, know, that's, that's a very, like, that's a very, that's, that, that's a very realistic problem to have. Um, yeah. You know, the, yeah. you know, the, there, there, there are real bureaucratic things in this show that, that make sense to me and, and, and mm-hmm. feel plausible. So. Uh, but yeah, I, I just think that's interesting because I, I think that would have been a good time to be on the internet as a creator because you, you would be hearing the, you'd be hearing the legitimate criticisms of a show. And I feel like, uh, I always kind of wondered what drew people to Babylon five. Cause I had that friend who would watch it religiously. And when I asked him, he'd kind of would vaguely say how it was different than other shows. And I think he would offer up explanations, you know, like how they, they just, they're doing things that Star Trek and these other shows just don't address. And, and it's got, yeah. you know, it's got more better continuity. And so I, I can, I can see, I can see if the creator was paying attention to people online at that time, how he, the show could have benefited. Um, I also get the impression that he's just the type of showrunner who cares about those things. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, but... this was this is his project. Yeah. One thing, actually, to jump back to the previous episode, one thing I, I feel like I'd like to mention that I didn't mention last time too, in uh, in science importance. I really like that way that episode. You know, the conflict with the uh, with the, with the raiders and stuff deals with the fact that. There's multiple forms of faster than light travel. You've got the ships that don't have faster than light travel that just use the gates, mm-hmm. but you have the bigger ships that actually can open their own gate. And uh, you know that whole that whole battle at the end kind of goes off that that difference where they're like, yeah, we've got the gate sealed, everything's good, and then boom, you know, they're not ready for the, the raiders to actually have a hyperspace capable ship. No, I'm actually interested. There, this is something I'd, I'd kind of like to learn more about in the setting because it's obviously becoming important to certain plot points. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I, you know, I, we'll, we'll talk more after the podcast, I think. But but I'm, I'm, I'm curious if there have been books written on the subject of like, you know, different, uh, you know, how technology in Babylon 5 works and if there's. Oh, uh, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I was thinking of picking that sort of. I'm, I'm interested enough that I might, you know, I don't normally buy that kind of thing, but I might actually 
might actually pick something up if it's a you know like i wasn't the kind of person that would buy like the klingon dictionary do you know what i mean yeah uh, i know but, i know but, uh, but yeah there it, it does it does matter in this show i mean you know another thing is like how earth has they, they, their artificial gravity is a thing in this setting but for you know and minbari just have artificial gravity that's it it's like no big deal to them with humans it's like they'll have artificial gravity in areas but they can't afford to have a whole space station using it so you know yeah. the command deck has it but the rest has to you know have spin to get the artificial gravity and yeah there's just there's kind of there's you know there's kind of thought into that kind of thing okay yeah no it's, it's interesting and again i know i know a lot of times i compare it to star trek in a and and it seems like i'm 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 casting uh negative criticism on star trek as a role i i i'm not trying to do that because i am actually a fan of star trek but it's, yeah. but this show does things that I just think other shows, other science fiction shows at the time that I remember were not doing is uh, it's doing things differently. And I can and, and 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 one of the questions I always really wanted answered when we decided to do this was why Babylon Five has such a dedicated fan base. And and so yeah. you know to me that seems to be one of the one of the reasons. I mean, there's other stuff too. There's it's not you can't. I wouldn't just reduce the quality of the show to that because there's there really is a lot that I'm enjoying with this series. Uh, so, so yeah, so, um, I almost, I really kind of wish I had watched it back then. I think I would have, I think it would have been, you know, even better to have seen it when it was coming out, but it, yeah, it was exciting. I mean, obviously you had the huge weights and you had every season worrying if the show was going to be canceled, but mm -hmm. yeah, it was pretty exciting back in the day. Well, yeah. Cause you always say, Oh, I, you know, you always say that, but then, the, the benefits of binge-watching do tend to outweigh the benefits of sort of waiting in yeah. anticipation. You know, having to wait well, sometimes a year and a half for a show to air its next uh, its next season or something, you know, if you're like a yeah. Doctor Who fan. Um, and I think, so. I think that's a reason, too, we're a lot more forgiving of episodes people hated like Grail is because back then, you know people that are big fans of the show, they want every episode to like be part of the big story. What's happening with the big story. And you get an episode about some guy looking for the Holy grail. And you're just furious. You're like, this doesn't matter. None of this matters. Whereas we, we have all the episodes and we can watch it at our leisure. We, you know, and it's like, we don't, it's fine for there to be an episode that kind of goes yeah. off on a tangent like that. No, no, that's a, that's a really good point because I had that experience when, uh, I binge. I, I I watched the first season of Walking Dead when it came out. I got sick and I missed the second season, and so I binge watched it. And I had a much different reaction to that season than a lot of other people did. I think because I binge watched it rather than I watched it episode to episode. I think if I had watched that episode to episode and had to wait a week between each of those, I would have been yeah. furious. But it was much more digestible, just sort of blazing <laughs> through it. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So yeah. So yeah. I, th I think it creates a very different. People should study this. This is something that like there's a huge difference between binge watching a show or I guess we're not binge watching. We're watching it week to week, but we're doing two at a time. And 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 I feel like sometimes we're doing four episodes a week, so we can really sort of blaze our way through. And um, yeah. Um. There's a big difference between that and 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 sort of being stuck in a show as it's being released in real time that's a you know yeah i can give an example actually because i i didn't get into breaking bad till later in the show's run so i like binge the early part of it mm -hmm. and i remember really liking the episode fly the episode where walter is kind of trying to kill that fly that's you know making his lab impure he doesn't want the impurity of a fly in there and I, I, I watched that as part of a day where I just watched a whole season in about like, you know, one, maybe two days. Mm -hmm. And I really liked that episode. And then when I kind of went online, everyone who watched that episode live hated it. So like, well, nothing happened in that episode. Mm -hmm. It's like for me. I went immediately into the next yeah. episode. So I wasn't there stuck at the end. You have to going, nothing happened. I just kept going to the next thing that happened. I, I have to say, I, I binge watched all of Breaking Bad because I didn't watch it when it was there. Or I, I think I, I might've been, I might've watched it the last season. Like it might've still been on the air. I don't remember, but I watched it very late and I, and I, I, uh, I binge watched all of it. So it, there was, I didn't have to wait for any of the episodes. I did have a negative reaction to fly though. Um, okay. But I think okay. it was because it stuck out to me as an unusual episode among, 
episodes that were always connected somehow and so but i don't think yeah. but but it was but but even then it was still just you know well i didn't really care for that episode but i moved on to the next one Excellent. so yeah uh, yeah you didn't you didn't have a week for your dislike to fester <laughs> yeah no no i i so so here's a question nothing to do with babylon 5 what are your feelings about hank in uh in breaking bad uh, I know I'm putting you on the spot. I'm, I'm sort of rapidly shifting gears here, but while we're on the topic, I just, I just got to know, you know, are yeah, you pro Hank or anti Hank? I, I became largely pro Hank. I mean, he's not. Yeah, I mean, you know, at first, obviously, you know, the show really sets you up to hate Hank, but I came around on him. It's been a while since I watched. <laughs> so once again, you are putting me on the spot. I mean, there's, you know, he, he's he's an up and down character. It's not like he's a completely fantastic hero character or something, but I don't, on the whole, I like Tank. I, I feel like he's someone, if I knew him, I, I, I'd get on fine with him for the most part. I mean, but I, I, I don't know. I, I hated Hank with a passion that whole, you did. I, I wow. despised it because I felt like he had no family loyalty at all. That really bothered me a lot. So that, yeah. that he was always putting, do you know what I mean? Like I understood yeah, where he was that, coming that's from a as a matter point, of actually. But I felt like, you know, this is his brother in law. Like like and he's just like basking in the glory of arresting his brother in law right now. And, and so when he got shot in the end, well, spoilers, when he got when, when, <laughs> Hank, when Hank when Hank, you know, gets his comeuppance, I was I, I was fine with it. I was, I was it's, it's okay. I already I already let everyone know that Walter killed that fly. So, yeah, I, we, so we we can go free with the yeah. spoilers now. But but, uh, uh, but yeah, but not not to derail. But I was just I was just curious because it came up in the whole yeah yeah. I mean I, that is a good point actually. That that did turn me. I got to admit that did turn me on in that season. It was just like eh, you know. I mean I I get your. Uh, a DEA guy, but man, and I mean, I get Walter really put you in a bad position, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It was, yeah, it's it's complicated. I really need to rewatch that last season again maybe, and refine my my view. Maybe we'll do a ba- Breaking Bad uh, uh, at some point. At some point, that 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 that's an investment, though. We'll see. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, but I gotta say, I I I enjoyed both of these episodes. I can see why people thought the um the grail was a was not not their cup of tea um yeah and i certainly had things where i was like hmm that's that's very very 90s and it does seem out of place uh and it, mm-hmm. and it, and it doesn't and, and like you said it doesn't really it doesn't really lead to anything it's not it's not uh it doesn't you know n- not nothing really significant to the overall plot seems to be occurring in that episode so i i can i can see the the reaction it got but i but i enjoyed it and and i think it really boiled down to that actor playing um uh oh god what was his name again uh uh ben zane i think no aldous aldous Gow- oh i'm sorry i'm yeah i'm sorry i'm getting mixed up uh yeah i'm sorry aldous yeah aldous uh aldous Gajic. but i think those him and the and the the ari ben zane character those are the two those really carried both of those episodes for me so i was uh, yeah you know. Yeah, uh, that that's definitely a case of that. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there is there is some significant information I think in a uh, in Grail, but I think I don't think any of it is really apparent at the time. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if it comes up later, I'll be happy. But uh, yeah, hopefully it's, it's it won't be that they find it's the Grail. Are they going to find the Grail? Are they going to find the Holy Grail? Is that what you're? That that's what I'm telling yeah. you. Yes, that's uh. Yeah, season five is all about the quest for the Grail. But, yeah, Jinxo comes back, and it's a uh, man. You just just wait for it. I don't want to say anymore. Yeah, see, that's the thing. I I like the Jinko Jinxo character because he was odd and strange. I don't think I'd want to follow. I wouldn't. I like uh, the, <laughs> the 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 Aldous character. I'd follow to the ends of the earth because he was so yeah so believable in that role. Jinxo as the as the spiritual seeker of the grail, I, 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 once you transitioned into that, I was like, Hmm, now he, no. you know, he, he, Thomas, I don't know. I think you're still Jinxo, you know, like, uh, um, yeah, I, I didn't quite buy the ending and, uh, yeah, but that's, uh, of course what, 
Yeah, he, he is boarding the Marie Celeste, so I don't know if uh, things go well for him. That was the name of the starship yeah. he's boarding. So well, well, I think I think that way. If he just he's disappearing from the universe at this point, <laughs> but maybe he's where he needs to be. You know, so he's where he needs to be. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's Aldous would say. So, but all right. So I think we we've gone on for fifty minutes. So we should uh, we should end the episode here. But uh, we'll be back on. We'll uh, this Friday. We're going to be talking about Heroes Shed No Tears. I think even if you're not a fan of of the uh, of the of the Wuxia and Kung Fu podcast, it's worth checking that one out. It's a really interesting movie. And so, you know, unfortunately, uh, Heroes Shed No Tears is not on Prime, so you'll have to find some other means of watching it if you if you want to uh, see the movie before we have the discussion. But I I thoroughly recommend it. And there's also a translation of the original Hero Shed No Tears novel on Wuxia World by Deathblade. Just go to the completed novels menu and you'll find it. I really recommend it. It's only 18 chapters. It's Each chapter is a very quick read and it's a, it's a solid Wuxia story. So uh, even if you can't see the movie, maybe check out the story and, and you'll kind of have a better sense of what's going on in the discussion. So, all right, uh, we will be back on and we will talk to you later. Bye.